to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right, all right. Well, hey, this is uh, my first time getting to speak for the last of the year, so I'm really excited about it. Pastor Steve has an amazing title last year that we're going to recycle for this year. It is called The Wind Behind Us. And so today, I would like to talk to you about the wind behind you, blowing you into 2022, and what the why and the how of spiritual gifts in your life can look like this coming year. Okay? So, has there been a lot of wind and disruption maybe in your life since 2020? A little cultural whiplash, maybe. A lot of different things happening. Well, there's been a cultural transformation and a global pandemic. And the past couple years have been just like Hurricane Irma. <laughs> Do you guys remember? Did you remember hearing about that hurricane? Um, I did some research and study on it because a good friend of mine mentioned that once when we were talking about trying to articulate what 2020 was like. Um, hurricane Irma, I'm going to read this from an article for you. It was described as a once-in-a-lifetime tidal event. So this hurricane was so strong that it reshaped the ocean. It sucked all the water away from the shorelines, and it left patches of the Gulf dry all the way to the Bahamas. Did anybody see that on social media? Because there were videos up all over the place where there were dogs that were running, like where there used to be like eight feet of water, they were just running up and down, and it was dry. It was crazy. Um, so imagine a storm that was so powerful that it exposed what was under the surface. And that's exactly what we felt like 2021 and 2020 was like. It's a year of exposure, right? Like a cultural revelation of what's under the surface of most of our lives. So I don't know about you, but I, a lot of people that I have observed and people who I'm close to, the past two years, hidden desires, goals, maybe offenses, thoughts or opinions, everything was brought out to the surface. It was a year of exposure, and I don't know if you experienced or felt that, but in, in the absence of all the activity, when everything in life just froze and kind of still continues to awkwardly go at different paces and rhythms, it felt like all of a sudden everyone in, in our culture collectively had to take a look inside and think, it's almost like the, the pace and the rapidness of life stopped and we were forced to look at, is, does my life look like I want it to? Are the things that have been important to me up to this point, are those low on my priority list? There's a lot of uh, surveys, a lot of information you can look up that's fun to, to find out, but when, when you ask people what's most important to them, the vast majority spend the least amount of time on the priorities that they claim are most important to them. And that's what I felt happened with this exposure, right? It was like we were forced to look at our lives and say, am I on track? If I'm only, if I will die one day, <laughs> am I on track for what I want to accomplish with my life? Am I in line with the goals that the Father put in my, in my life for me to do? And that was the year where we all asked that question, which is why everybody switched jobs, everybody moved out of state, everyone did a, a lot of... Uh, adjustments in their life. But you're going to laugh, but have this whole experience made me think of tubing. Has anyone ever been tubing? So I've only been tubing like once in my life. Um, and this is the tubing I'm going to describe to you might not be what tubing actually is. It's not like lazy river, you know, bobbing down a creek, relaxing. So when I was in high school, every year, um, the track team, we'd go to this like party or a lake or some kind of water park. And one year, my senior year, we went to this pond and um, it had one of those giant tubes that had maybe like 14 grips or something like all around the circle. You could fit like eight or nine people on this tube, right? And so I get onto this tube and I'm really excited because everyone said that the guy um, driving the boat had a low like moral conscience and he was going really, really fast. <laughs> 
I think I remember seeing a, a bottle in a brown bag or something. Now, for some people, you might think that that would be reason to not get on the boat. But, you know, being an 18-year-old, I thought, this will be great. It'll go so fast. So we got onto this tube, and he did not disappoint. We were going so fast that um, I would be, I'd get scared just thinking about it now. But so what was happening was everyone was falling off from left to right, just like flying into the air, like the spinning discus. And I'm just sitting there gripping these, these grips. I'm like, I am never going to let go. Lord, I won't let go. And then all of a sudden I heard a tear. <laughs> and I, all of a sudden, I remember this, my orientation wasn't right because the sky was where my feet were. My head was where the water was. And I had the grips, the fabric in my hand <laughs> as I'm flying. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, well, that's interesting, before I hit the water. <laughs> and then, you know, couldn't breathe. It was like the wind knocked out of you. Um, it's been a minute since the wind got knocked out of me. But that's what I was thinking about when I was thinking about 2021. It was a lot like tubing. So, <laughs> really fast, really exciting, and then you just fly through the air, and you're like, whoa, why are my feet in the sky and my head in the ground? Um, so this isn't important in my sermon, but I uh, did get back on that tube after that, just so you know. <laughs> I just wanted to go fast again. It was fun. Because that's what we've grown accustomed to, right? This is how we enjoy the pace of our life. We like fast and fun and zipping across the surface. But then along came the past two years, and all the water had been pulled back. Can't go tubing anymore. The landscape of your heart's exposed. And you can see all the shape of the ground beneath and all that stuff that you let fall into the water didn't disappear for good like you thought it did. It was just waiting there to be dealt with when the waters got pulled back, right? So we had the opportunity over the past, I'm going to say two years, but we'll just say for the sake of today, one year, 2021. We had the opportunity to walk on the dry land with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and talk about things in the light of day that we didn't have like the lung capacity to really see or observe in 2019. But the exposure is always only temporary. I always, when I was in ministry school, we had this quote um, from my pastor, Bishop Thomas, out at Victory Christian Center at the time. He always used to say that there was a, um, a, a correlation between the natural and the spiritual, and that there would be a demonstration that follows the declaration. So Hurricane Irma, this is the, the warning that they wrote back in, back in the time uh, when the waters were going to return to their normal levels. said, the wind direction is going to shift onshore, causing water levels along the southwest coast of Florida to rapidly rise in a matter of minutes. So move away from the water. Life-threatening storm surge inundation of 10 to 15 feet above ground level expected. So I'm believing that in 2022, the waters are going to return rapidly to your life. And are you going to continue to tube? Or is there a new vehicle for you to navigate these waters in 2022? I believe we're going to go from tubing to sailing. So all the storms in your life, this is, this is the best picture I can give you for the wind behind us. It's the first thing I thought about when Pastor Steve mentioned the title, is that it made me think of Jesus when he was taking a nap in the boat. Do you remember that story in the Bible? In the Gospels, when the storms came and raged, and they thought that the uh, boat was going to sink. I read some uh, interesting commentaries this week where they said that they, they almost believed that maybe it wasn't a storm, but it could have also been like a tsunami. Like, so this was just a very threatening and scary situation, and Jesus was taking a nap. But the disciples became afraid because they forgot they forgot that Jesus said that we are going to the other side. And so many times in our life, when we get hit by a storm and when the winds and waves seem intimidating and scary, like they might feel right now, some of you in this room, you might be going through major transition. You might be having things happen in your life that you never expected, you never anticipated. You might be making a pivot that feels disorienting, like Jay on the tube, feet in the sky, head into the water. 
But I want to tell you that all of the winds that you're facing, everything that is blowing up against you is going to be the fuel. It's going to be the push behind your sails in 2022. All the storms that you thought were going to take you out, all the winds that you were afraid of, that you thought were going to hold you back, if you orient your life and position your sails, will propel you forward faster than you would have ever on your own. So 2022, thank you, is going to be the year where you sail. So if you have your Bibles, hope you do, turn to chapter, Romans chapter 8, um, and that is where we are going to live this morning. My opinion, Romans chapter 8 is like the crowned jewel of the book of Romans. It encapsulates our, our identity as sons and daughters of God and what it means to access that birthright. It is a masterpiece. It talks about how to be led by the impulses of the Holy Spirit and, and being joined to the anointed one. And it kind of destroys the idea of a Christianity that can be disconnected from a daily connection with the Spirit. So I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts and I want to dig into the foundations here with you. I want to talk about what we believe here at Bethel Cleveland so that you can get a greater understanding of why we have such a high value placed on the gifts. At Bethel Cleveland, we want the body of Christ to be equipped and empowered in the spiritual gifts. We pursue the presence and are equipped and empowered with spiritual gifts to release his transformational power in the world around us. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4, this is the New American Standard. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. And that word powerful comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means explosively. It's where we get our word for dynamite. Divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So that word, dunamis, dynamite, it means that the spiritual weapons that the Lord gives us are the biblical equivalent of explosive nuclear powerful weapons. Nothing can stand against it. And it says in Romans 8, 4, where we're going to be living, Passion Translation is my favorite lately. It says, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. We are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you, because I know that we, we believe this and we've heard this before, but I want to remind you in a way that stirs your spirit up. I want to remind you in a way that it is not something that is far off or a theory, but I want you to connect with it this morning in a very physical and present way that you were designed to be carriers of the presence and glory of God and release that power into the world around you. If you go back into the Old Testament, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant carried the presence of God. And it was so frighteningly powerful that if someone touched it, they would die. That same anointing, that same power and presence of God that used to be contained in that box now lives in you. The same spirit that was in Jesus's body when he took that breath. Do you realize that? When I was writing my song, Matchless, I was thinking about that. What was it like to take that first breath after you were dead? Can you imagine that? I mean, I can't. I get nervous being under the water too long. But you were designed to be the carriers. And I believe it was heaven's intention that you would carry the presence of God. That's why he orchestrated all of history and the foundations of the earth. It said in the word that before those foundations were laid, that the Lamb of God was slain. So there was a plan in heaven from the beginning that the glory of God wasn't destined to exist just in an ark of a covenant or in a box, but it was meant to be placed in you. When we talk about spiritual gifts, it's really common in Christianity to approach them from the belief that they are not natural 
or at least not a, a regular expectation, a daily expectation, supernatural, but for special circumstances. Think like mountaintop experiences and power encounters with God. Hmm? Your latest conference experience. <laughs> are those gifts great? Yes, they absolutely are, and they are for those special circumstances. But the miraculous power of God breaks the natural laws, and they're not ordinary to the world around us because you no longer have an ordinary nature. So, has anybody seen The Matrix Resurrections? I see one hand. We're going to pray for your healing later if you've seen it. <laughs> Stretch a hand out there to the back. I'm kidding. <laughs> this is one of my favorite movies to kind of relate to when it comes to um, the division between the natural world and the, uh, and the spiritual. You see, the idea in, in this movie is that there are, there are natural rules in the program. Everybody is plugged into a computer simulation. There's natural rules that you can't break, but once your mind is set free from the hardware, then it's just a matter of faith, and you can break those natural laws. That is exactly what the Lord does in you when you have Jesus in your life. Right? Come on. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, and the old things pass away, and behold, new things have come. Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So this means we have a new nature, his supernatural empowerment isn't set aside for the select few. It's your birthright as the true children of God. And there's nothing more natural than a supernaturally empowered life when the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus and accepted his gift of salvation, you are a house for his glory. Say, I am a house for his glory. I am a house for his glory. It also says that you're the apple of his eye. That might be hard for some of you. He loves you. He chose you. His spirit resides in your body this morning. His spirit, it doesn't just fill the heavens and shift the earthly realms. All creation, think about it like this. All creation is the manifestation of his spoken word. His word is Jesus the Father and the Spirit are one. So if creation had a code, like in the Matrix, it would be deciphered as his word. Everything's made up of it. So what could be more natural to a child of God than being empowered with spiritual gifts? What could be more normal than all of heaven's stuff manifesting in your life? It's your new nature. You've been set free from the Matrix. You can walk in freedom and see his, his kingdom manifest every day in your life. <laughs> and I think that sometimes if that becomes common to us, then maybe, maybe, maybe we need to break out the gifts a little more often. Come on. Thank you over there. <laughs> Romans 8.5 goes on to say, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. And this is the best part. This is my favorite verse. And is Romans 8.32. It, it's kind of a mouthful to say. It was one of my scripture memory verses in Bible college. We did those at Master's Commission. Everyone ever heard of a master's commission back in the day? You basically live at the church every day, 70 hours a week, and you are fed a diet of scripture, Bible classes, and service, and it's amazing. This was one of the verses we memorized. It said, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? So, if God was already willing 
to go to that extreme, if he was willing to, in the name of his love for you, go to the most graphic, brutal, violent extreme to show his love, how can he not care about the small things in your life? How can he be willing to demonstrate that kind of love but not care about your rent or your car payment or your family or your relationships? If he was willing to go to the uttermost extreme, if he was willing to give it all, then how could he not care about the little details of your life? But sometimes it feels like that those are segregated, right? Those are separated. In the spiritual categories, God has a lot of concerns. But when it comes to the natural every day, there seems to be some kind of disconnect. But that's not how life in the spirit works. And that's not how activation in the spiritual gifts function at a healthy level. You see, when you're functioning in the gifts, it's not because you were, you were at a great training and you learned how to utilize them the best way. It's because you are connected to the anointed one. You know Jesus. And out of the overflow of that presence, out of your connection with him, those spiritual gifts and the activation and the release of heaven on earth are just a natural extension of that proximity that you have with him. It's not because you just were gifted or that God gave you this miraculous thing that he meant for you to utilize absent of connection from him and then to be curious about later. Was that you, Lord? Did I do the right thing? It's, it was meant to be. Your relationship and connection with God and the outflow and overflow is the spiritual gifts activated in your life and the spiritual fruit growing out of that connection. So if he didn't spare his own son, how can we think that he doesn't care about every detail? We're discovered by him. I didn't find God. He found me. I didn't, I didn't seek out the whole world trying to find meaning or discover who God was. He planted me in a home of two first-gen Christians, one of whom, I won't give you the, the name of which parent, came from a crazy background <laughs> of witchcraft and demonic elements. Side of my family lived in a dirt floor storm cellar. They called my great-grandmother Apple Annie because she uh, only bought apples from the market and she collected birds and then put them in cages that were in that basement. That's the stock that my family came from. My family was connected to um, psychics and divination and all, all that deep, dark stuff. But my parents were radically saved. I can't remember a time in my childhood where Jesus wasn't a focal point in my home. And so, I'll level with you. It's my mom's side of the family. <laughs> but um, you have to understand, I just want you to get a picture of of like what God did in my life. So my, my grandfather on that side, he was actually a pastor for a minute. Um, but then he quit, and, and church and Christianity was taboo, and it was atheism 101 for my mom's entire childhood. But she had this memory where the TV had gotten left on, and Billy Graham was preaching the salvation message. And when he called for that salvation message, my mom said that she, he said to put your hand up. My mom went over and put her, put her hand on the TV. And she said that she, she prayed, and then I think that my grandma came in the room, and she, she probably thought it was cute, but she laughed, and my mom said that she was mortified <laughs> as a five-year-old. But that that moment was when she believed that God marked her. And then years later, she was sitting in her room because she, like, like I was talking about earlier in worship, how we want to see Jesus, she felt as though she was saved because of a blanket deal that was offered to humanity, that there wasn't a personal extension. God didn't really see her or know her. And she said that she closed her eyes. And this is not, we were not in this culture where this was normal, where these dreams or these visions happened. And she said that she was standing, I think it was on an ocean, and she said that she felt God walk beside her. And that when he stopped, he turns his face towards her. She said that when he looked at me, I knew that I was marked and that he saw me. 
So that is the stock of which I'm coming from. I didn't go have to go out into the world because I had parents who authentically loved Jesus. I got saved when I was four, then I got saved again when I was six, and I got saved again when I was nine. <laughs> I did it over and over because <laughs> I wanted to feel saved. <laughs> uh, but all this to say, we're the ones who were lost. We don't find him. He finds us. He rescued us. I don't, know if you rem- I don't know how you came to know Jesus, but I'm willing to bet that he spoke to you a lot through loved ones, strangers, pastors, priests, and even rock-bottom moments. He spoke there. And his mercy and his grace, it reaches down and offers us a chance to know him. And he offers that over and over again. So this is the why, the reason behind the gifts. He gives them because we are his true children. We inherit all that he has. Does that hit you like it hit me? I was studying in um, the prayer house last week when, when I read that in Romans. It said that um, we inherit all that he is and all that he has. That means that everything that Jesus carries, everything that he does, everything he is, every spiritual gift, it's why he said that you'll do greater things even than the things that he did on the earth, is that you've inherited, you are co-heirs with Christ, which means you inherited everything he did. You have it all. That's good news, right? (laughs) You have it all. I don't, know if, I don't know if that fully hits us. It's kind of a hard sentence to digest because a lot of us, a lot of our focal point is trying to take care of the things in our lives that we don't have, right? We're trying to hustle, make sure that we're providing for our family. We're trying to make sure that we achieve whatever it is in our life that we're doing at work. We have this focus of what we're trying to obtain that it's almost like a foreign concept that we have ev- everything that Christ is and has, we have, Because there's this innate thing inside of us that wants to work for it. We feel like we have to pressure and and somehow kind of prove our worth and value to have that gifting. It It is harder to receive something that we could never earn than to buy something that we can afford. And so when it comes to this scripture, a lot, a, lot, a lot of us fall short of digesting that truth and fully walking in it because there's this, this sense of unworthiness, this, this feeling like we don't, we don't belong and that we shouldn't have all of these, these things that the Lord is offering us or that somehow we're defective. But the truth is that when we do that, we're elevating ourselves above the word of God because the word of God said that you inherit all that he is and all that he has, not because you were perfect, but that while you were still in sin. Jesus loved you and died for you and called you. You'll never earn it. That is the point. Even our righteousness, it says in scripture, is of filthy rags. But when God comes in, he gives us the gift of righteousness and his grace, which doesn't mean a band-aid for sin. The word of grace actually means divine empowerment. So when you read grace in the scripture, it's talking about the grace is on your life. It means that you are empowered to live at the supernatural standard that God created in you. He has given you grace to be able to carry this message and to wear his presence and to wear it well. And that is good news. Mm. So in the same way that like we look at gifts and they're impressive and awe-inspiring, if you've ever been in a conference where there was a, a prophetic voice that was able to call out first and last names or seen somebody get up out of a wheelchair and walk, I mean, that's amazing to see, right? They're impressive and they're awe-inspiring. It's because of who they come from. Um, but I think that in the same way that we recognize and live within our new nature in Jesus, somehow we can relate to our spiritual gifts sometimes with a self-centered focus and think about these gifts just in relation to what they produce in us. It's not wrong. We're all works in progress and we're still growing up. We're still maturing. The best way I can explain it is my children had a great Christmas. They have exceptionally generous and loving uh, grandparents and uncles and aunts who make it really unbelievable for them. And they're enamored by the gifts, but they're still young enough that they aren't considering how much these gifts cost. 
and they're not taking into account how much the family loves them and how these gifts are a reflection of that love. They just love the toys. They love the fun that it gives to them, right? But as we mature, hopefully, we begin to consider what the gifts say about the person who's giving it to us, right? We begin to look at the gifts and recognize the heart and what it costs that person to give us that gift. So with the prophetic gift, do I have any prophetic people in this church? Anybody wave me, you can prophesy for days. I love it, I know you do. I see you, Kim. When I first discovered that I had a prophetic gift, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I loved prophesying over people, and it was so fun because uh, I came from a background where we thought, I was told, the prophetic is dead. It doesn't exist anymore. And so I come in, I thought, I'm just making it up. I'm just making it up, Lord. And then, but I'm going to verbalize it because I was parked into a safe environment to practice. And man, it was so cool when people would cry. And they, I mean, that's the best part of being prophetic, right? You say a word and they, they start to cry. You're like, yes, Lord. The tears, let them flow. <laughs> and then it gets more exciting because you lay hands on people and they fall out. And you're like, boom, yes, Lord. That was so good. Ugh. I just love being used by the Lord. I, 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 a lot of I statements, right? But this is the, the how we use spiritual gifts, and this is probably the most important thing I wanted to talk to you about today. I was alone, and I don't normally do this, but I was literally preaching up and down the hallways of the office, <laughs> this message. Uh, as we mature, we're not looking for just to use our gift. We are listening for his word and for his will. Come on. We are not just listening to be used. We are, we are listening for his word and for his will. You see, I'm not pushing to try to make something happen so that I can feel validated through my gift. I am trying to be like Jesus. In John 5, 19, he said, Truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does. This is the blueprint for our usage of our spiritual gifts. This is the instructions of how we use them. Because remember, I talked earlier, you're his true children. You've inherited all that he is and all that he has. So if Jesus, the son of God, was standing on the earth and he said, I don't do anything unless the father showed me that he is doing that, why would we expect our experience to be any different? You see, the gifts and the activation, we don't want to just be like going crazy with our gifts, just trying to like blast people prophetically, although that is amazing and so good. And does God speak through anything? You bet he does. You can go in the Old Testament and he spoke through a donkey. I'm not going to make that joke. He spoke through that donkey, but if he can do all of those things, right? We have to learn how to pay attention to his will and not just feeling great because we're getting used. Last dip into Romans 8 before we, we get into it some more. It says in 8, 14 through 17, I'm going to just read you a couple passages from here. It says, but you've received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all, you need to pay attention to this part here, listen. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we inherit all that he is and all that he has. So since we're his true kids, we insert ourselves into that scripture where Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father doing. But there's a couple of other signposts here. You can read in other parts of scripture where it says in Corinthians that the spirit of the prophet subject to the control of the prophets. And then in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts in his call are, irre are irrevocable. So the gifts are given without repentance. What does that mean? What does gifting separated from connection produce? 
What does it produce in us? Can God use unauthorized miracles and spiritual gifts? We went over that. He can. But if you operate in your gifting apart from connection, the fruit that is produced in you is separation and isolation from him. It says in Matthew 7 that there's going to be people who stand before him one day and say, Lord, we cast out the demons. We performed amazing miracles. I love the message translation. It says, we bashed the demons and our God-sponsored projects had everybody talking. But he said, I didn't know you. How can that happen? How can you, how can you look across the landscape of Christianity over the past 50 to 100 years? You can even read about it in God's generals. These amazing heroes and and powerful people who did incredible miracles. There are people in that book that talks about where babies' limbs and arms grew back out when they prayed for them. People who did those kind of unspeakable miracles, but then come to light that they were living a life subversive to the kingdom of God, that they were in deep sin and it caught up to them and it came out. But what, why did all of those things, why did all those incredible miracles happen even though they were walking in the darkness? It's because the gifts are irrevocable and, and given without repentance. So that's why it is so important. That is why we're going into the, the how right now of using your spiritual gifts is that we have to come to an intrinsic understanding that it is more critical for us to be in line with his word and his will than to have spectacular firecracker miracles happening. They have to be rooted in what he is saying and what his will is. Jesus walked by the gates called beautiful at least three times during his ministry and didn't heal the man who was crippled because he knew that Peter would be walking down that road. There are reasons for the way that God moves and operates. And so it's more than just trying to become proficient and, and sharp with our gift. It's about understanding his will. We're his kids. And our father is an inexhaustible storehouse of revelation and inspiration. You know, there's, there's angels who, don't, who haven't done anything, but circle the throne, cry out holy, which if you break down the translations, is different. It's not saying you've never sinned because to be honest, that's not a compliment to God. We don't come in worship and say, God, you're holy. You've never sinned. You've never sinned. Because that's not his nature. He will literally never sin. That isn't even a compliment to him. And that's why the word holy doesn't just mean sinless or spotless. It means set apart and different. So the angels are circling around the throne and they're saying, you're different, you're different, you're different. Because every time they go around, they catch a new glimpse of who he is. They see something different about him that they didn't observe the last time around the throne. And that's because our God will never be fully understood. We'll always be trying to discover more aspects of him because who wants to worship and love a God for eternity who you can figure out? And as a result of that, we're always going to be students of his nature, right? We're always going to be trying to figure him out. I don't think this ends on earth. I think that in heaven, we're still going to be trying to figure, out, figure him out <laughs> and adapt and, and become more like him. Because your, your sonship and your daughtership doesn't end here on earth, right? It extends into eternity, so when you go there, you're still going to be learning how to be a son and a daughter. And we're just going to learn how to be even more in the slipstream of his will. But I just want to ask you a question. Maybe if you've been praying for breakthrough and you haven't seen it, could it be that it's because you're seeking a breakthrough and not his will? Our goal is not to be used, but to be in his will. We don't operate within our supernatural capacity to fill a need or emptiness within us because if we're as true children and in the family of God, we don't operate in our spiritual giftings to belong. We operate within them because we belong, right? We're not trying to um, kind of make our mark and prove that we're the children of God. We're trying to just 
allow those things to come to fruition in our life because they are naturally the fruit of a connected life with the Father. So I'm not in a works mentality trying in a reactive way to bring spiritual solutions to the problems in front of me. My first response is not to problem solve when I'm facing an obstacle, but to listen for his voice. Because what if what I think is the problem is the fruit, but not the root? I don't want to make my next move when I think I know what the problem is. I want to make my next move in response to what the Lord is saying. Because there's going to be things in the natural realm that make perfect sense to do. There are adjustments that can be made that would appear to be wisdom. But they're in response to a temporary situation with limited information, right? We never know the whole picture. We never know the full scope. And so if we make decisions rooted in the natural, it's going to produce natural results. And that's why people are baffled when those who are drawn by the impulses of the Spirit come up with these crazy counterintuitive ways to bring breakthrough into their life. The best example I have for you on this one, I'm going to be bringing her in for a landing, is... Um, about seven years ago, I had a difficult coworker at a company that I was working for. It was a very popular coffee chain. <laughs> Mermaids may have been involved. And I had a really difficult coworker. She hated my guts. I know that's a very intense way to say it, but it's how, it was very intense. I felt the heat. It was very crazy. And I couldn't understand because, you know, most people like me. For the, <laughs> It was like a new thing. I'm kidding. It was a new thing for me. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do. I tried being excellent. I tried being direct. I tried being supportive. I tried being nice. I tried. We had these things, little cards that you could write encouragement things. I must have written seven of those cards just trying to, because I just can't understand why there's so much animosity, right? And so I'm sitting with Steve, and I'm just complaining one day about it. And he pauses for a minute, and he goes, hmm, you know the way he does. And he goes, does she have kids? And I said, yeah, she's got two. He said, buy her kids Christmas presents. And I was like, okay. Did you hear the part where she hates me? <laughs> and so um, I did a little homework. I did a little digging, got some people to find out what exactly their kids wanted. And I bought those presents. And then I came into the back room and um, I just, I set the presents down. I said, hey, got your kids some presents. And she looked in the bag for a second. And then she just paused. And then she turned around and she put her head on a shelf like this. And she wept. And there was a shift in that relationship. Almost instantaneously. It was almost like there was a supernatural encounter happening or something. It was almost like... I wasn't trying to go with natural methods to make a difference anymore. I was listening to the counterintuitive voice of heaven that gives us those suggestions that don't make sense, maybe don't feel like the solution to what you're facing. Maybe it doesn't look exactly like you thought it would. Maybe it feels like it's not even addressing the issue that you're trying to solve. But if you are listening for his voice, if you are listening to be aligned within his will, he will tell you things that are counterintuitive and different and unexpected that will bring supernatural acceleration and breakthrough to your circumstance. So I might have had to work three years to get the equity in that relationship to be able to support and to be able to show up in the way that Jesus wanted me to in her life if I had just kept going around with my own tactics and methods. But because the Lord gave a counterintuitive solution and I stepped in and I listened for the will of the Lord, he flung the gates open. And that taught me something that I'll probably carry with me. It seems like a small lesson. It doesn't feel like maybe the most earth-shattering for me. But I will tell you, it changed the way that I make decisions. It changed the way that I listen for the voice of God. You see, I'm not just trying to do something spectacular or amazing with my life. Because who decides that? What's amazing to you is different than what's amazing for me. Right? We have a lot of opinions about what is great. But if we can center in and say, Lord, I am not trying to live my best version of great. I am trying to live a life of surrender to your will so that your dreams and your, your goals of what you want to do in humanity, that if in some small way I can sow my life into that, 
then I want to do that. And that's the wind behind us. The why and the how of being equipped in spiritual gifts. The why? We're adopted into the family of God. I think that you need to get in your car when you go home today and say that to yourself over and over again. I'm adopted into the family of God. Because I don't think that we fully understand or get that sometimes. Did you know that in like Jewish culture that you can write your birth children out of the will, but you can't write adopted children out? You're literally written into the will of God and can never be removed. That's the why we've inherited all that he is and all that he has. And he cares about our lives and the gifts we've inherited because they're a reflection of our new nature in him. And he wants you to discover him through the gifts moving through you, not discovering that you're super talented or gifted. He thinks you are, by the way. But he wants you to discover more than that. He wants you to discover him. And the how? We operate within our spiritual gifts by imitating Jesus. We only do what we see the Father doing. We're not trying to be used. We're just wanting to submit. Submit to his word, his will, and his ways. And what we treasure is always reflected in the realities we pursue, isn't it? If we pursue anything other than him, we're missing the marks. How many have any priorities that lead with an I? I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. Those I priorities never really work out that great for me. Have they worked out for you? <laughs> but when we prioritize what the Lord is saying, when we prioritize his will, we come into alignment with the Spirit, and then you can begin to experience the abundant life that Jesus died for you to have. Do you get that? We're not trying to cheapen what he's done by saying that you'll be rich or that things will be easy for you. That is not what is promised in Scripture. It is beyond material wealth. We don't want to cheapen what he's done because the Bible, there's... It doesn't promise us an easy life. It doesn't promise that everything will come our way. But it does promise that those who submit their lives to his will, those who are willing to know him in his sufferings, will be resurrected in glory with him. This hitting home today the Lord has spiritual gifts he wants to release in your life. But everything we do, every message, every word we preach, it is always going to center around and come back to just one thing, one focus, and that is Jesus. He is the one. He is our one thing. He is our goal. He is the prize. The finish line isn't even worth it if he is not there. So today, I just feel like the Lord said that he wants to reveal to you the true immeasurable value of what it means to be his. To not come in here just wanting something, although it says in the word, cast all your cares and anxieties on him because he cares for you. But I want to tell you today, Jesus has something more for you than what you've experienced so far. I wasn't expecting this, this little vibe happening right now, but You know, Hebrews, it talks about the disciples. It talks about followers of Jesus. And it, it describes people who lived in fox dens and holes and 
laid their lives down at the altar before the Lord and it described them. It said that they were people of whom the world was not worthy. And I believe in this room today that there is potential for us to be people of whom the world was not worthy. But it doesn't come because of crazy, amazing gifting. It comes in the place of surrender. It comes in the place of saying, Jesus, I'm not going to allow what is happening next week. I'm not going to allow the thought that maybe I've heard those scriptures before, this or that, take away from the fact that right here, right now, in this moment, there is a revelation being dropped that you were in this room. I was created. I was designed. I was fashioned for you, Jesus. Your spirit lives on the inside of me. And as a result, my life now has the capacity to release the very same things that Jesus released onto the earth. Let 2022 be the year where you take out those shoes the Lord set before you, you put them on, you walk in a whole new reality. Mm. Why don't you stand up on your feet? I'm going to pray for you and bless you out. Today, we were calling the end of service spiritual gift giving because we were going to have our prophetic ministry teams up across the front ready to uh, prophesy over you. And each person... We have a special prophetic word we'd love to deliver to you. Specialized, it's not on a note card. It's not just like a standard one. We want to prophesy over you if you're open to it and you'd like a spiritual gift. I'm going to invite my ministry teams to come forward right now across the front. But I want to bless you and I want to bless your year. I want to bless 2022. That the wind behind your sails, everything we talked about, that all the experiences and the difficulties would fill your sails and propel you forward and that you would experience the spiritually activated life that comes from being connected to Jesus. So can you put your hand over your heart? I'm going to pray for you and bless you. Bethel Cleveland, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We bless you to walk into 2022 with a greater understanding of who you belong to, that the revelation of being a son or a daughter of Jesus would hit in your heart, that it would resonate with you and that you would recognize that you've inherited all that he is and all that he has and that you're understanding the why that the Lord has called you. He has set you apart. He has enfolded you into the family of God and the how, that we're not looking to just be good at gifts or have fantastic training, although we have that. But we're looking, Father, to take all of those gifts and submit them to you and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your word, your will, and your ways. Bethel Cleveland, I bless you that 2022 would be the year where you get a fresh revelation and a deeper understanding of what it means to live in his word, his will, and his ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.